perspective. This podcast is the place for refined barbershop talk. I'm your host, Chris, and I'm in the studio with AJ. What's going on, y'all? Uh, once again, man, it's great. I'm glad to be back on the show. Thank you for everybody that's been listening. Uh, we got a lot of input this last week, and we really appreciate everybody who reached out to us. Uh, keep giving us stuff to talk about so we can keep giving you the topics that you really want to hear about. And Chris, uh, we got some guests on the show. Can you go ahead and introduce them for us? Yeah, yeah, we have some very special guests on the show. We have Cortonio and Mr. Sobo from OpinionatedMail.com. Say hi, fellas. What's going on? What's up, Dude Logic family? <laughs> hey, can you tell us a little bit about your website? Sure, sure, absolutely. So this is Mr. Sobo speaking, man. First of all, I'd just like to say thank you guys for having us on the show, inviting us to be a part of what you guys are doing, man, for this episode here. Uh, definitely looking forward to all the shenanigans and the good conversation that we uh, anticipate uh, coming up here. Um, as far as opinionatedmail.com, for your fans who may not necessarily be familiar, it's a, it's a blog site that basically discusses a lot of um, issues dealing with relationships, um, people, culture, just society in general, different things that we observe, um, little nuances about ourselves. But it's a site dedicated to men and women. Um, but it's primarily like you guys is coming from a male perspective as well. So, you know, but we deal heavily a lot with a lot of the, um, romance, um, discussions, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, infidelity conversations about, uh, social behavior, a lot of boning, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of different things, man. So we try to incorporate a little bit of a uh, fun and, um, and knowledge in, in, in what we write. So it's a pretty interesting website. Uh, we, I guess the, our tagline, if I remember it correctly, because I haven't read it in a while, but uh, it's uh, uh, experience life, love, and sex in the city through the eyes of men. Oh, nice. So that should give you I a like better, that. you know, you give your, your listeners out there a better idea of what opinionatedmail.com is uh, about. Excellent. All right, yeah, we appreciate that, gentlemen. Thank you guys for being on the show today. Definitely, definitely looking forward to the conversation. No doubt. So, AJ, uh, we don't have football anymore, man. What are you going to do now? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. I might go and, and read some excellent uh, existentialist philosophy of Jean-Paul Sartre. You know, like, uh, I might, you know, go, I don't know. Anything and everything to keep my mind off of the fact that football is no longer here. I'm hurt, sir. I don't know how to do it. AJ, you a Falcons fan? Man, all day, every day. That's my only team, man. Uh, look, I will go ahead and tell you and, and everybody else that's listening, man. I am a fan, unabashedly, of every team that has Atlanta or Georgia in the name. And yes, for all of you listening that are from Georgia, I support Georgia and Georgia Tech. Blasphemy. Hey. Look, at the end of the season, whichever one has the best chance of going to a BCS Bowl, or I guess now next season, to the uh, playoff system, is going to get my support. It's good to see that the Braves had a nice little renaissance this year, man, because it looked like, you know, for a few years, they were going to fall apart from the, the dynasty they had back in the 90s. But they picked it up this year. I see good things for them coming up. Um, the Falcons, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think Matt Ryan's going to have to get himself together. As far as the Hawks... 
I think the Hawks, in the middle of this decade, when they had like Josh Smith, Al Horford, Jamal Crawford, and those guys, they were making a run. But for some reason, this is just from my observation, they didn't know how to really play some good team ball. They played like a lot of one-on-one, -on -one, and Josh Smith thought he was Larry Bird, which he clearly wasn't. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what they can do. Um, yeah. As far as college football, I don't really watch a lot of college football. So, I mean, I really don't have much of any comment on that. But I think the Atlanta sports team looks pretty good. I just think the Hawks need to get it together. But the Falcons and the Braves, you know, look like they're going to be doing some things. Are the, are, do you guys even have the Thrashers anymore? They're gone, right? No, the Thrashers left. They did. We, we no longer have a professional hockey team anymore. But that's all right. You know, I, like that's the thing is as a true Atlanta fan, Despite the mistakes that some of our organizations have made, man, I've, I've always respected and, and, and continued to support, man. Because I feel like you got You always got to roll with the hometown, man. And uh, to speak on what you said about the Atlanta Falcons, man, don't worry about us. You know, this, this season was an aberration. Next season, we're about to be the NFC champions again. Don't worry about that. And uh, I already called. I told Chris and some of our other friends, and they've all looked at me like I'm crazy, and I'm used to it. But the Falcons are about to go on a run, man. We're about to win five out of the next six Super Bowls. Just watch that. <laughs> That's about as bold as a prediction as I've ever heard any It's the boldest any prediction line. you will ever hear in your life. Five, five out of six. Out, so, who, so who's going to win the other one then? You said five out of six. Who's going to win the other one? I'm going to give it to Seattle because, uh, uh, you know, I think that uh, your boy out there, the, the, the quarterback, he's going to get a couple in his career. But, I mean, I'm sorry. We're just going to have to take them all from him over the next five, five six years. So, AJ, you brought up a good point. Um, and I think Cortonio actually kind of underscored this point. In the South, college athletics is very big. Oh, it's huge. But what I've noticed is that in the North, it's not necessarily as big. Can you all postulate a reason why that may be the case? I think with a lot of the uh, Southern states, a lot of their pro teams aren't as prevalent as far as the northern states like you know down like especially like oklahoma they have oklahoma city which is the thunder but they don't have a hockey team they don't have a football team you look at louisiana mississippi you know north carolina a lot of those southern states don't really have any dominant sports teams and they have a lot of small towns so that's where everyone comes out you know to the college games with the exception of florida but even before miami started getting good the miami heat Orlando hasn't been good in a while, but you guys have always had your sports as far as the Florida Gators. Um, you know, among, I'm not like, again, I'm not too versed in the college sports, but, you know, I will say a lot of your college teams have been on the forefront as opposed to up north. Yeah, I mean, up here we have, you know, Northeastern, we have UMass, we have BC, but those teams aren't as strong because we have such a strong plethora of, you know, sports teams. So we don't really focus on a lot of college teams too, too much anymore like we used to. So I think I think what you were saying is true. Uh, there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, you think about some of the, the storied, you know, when you talk about professional sports, some of the storied organizations, you talk about the New York Yankees as much as I hate them, the Boston Red Sox as much as I hate them. You know, these guys have won for years. They've been playing for like, over a century now, right? Um, and that's the type of history that you have up there. Whereas down here, the South, I mean, for one, it's easy to love your college football teams, your college sports. When we're winning SEC, you know, we're winning championships every year, national championships every year. When's the last time that it, somewhere in the Northeast won a national championship? I, you know what? To be honest, I, I don't think it's been in a long, long time. To be honest with you, like I know, like some of the success we had, like back in the '90s, we had. Uh, UMass Minutemen, they had, you know, Marcus Camby and those guys, they, 
went to the Final Four, had an undefeated season, but because of uh, Marcus Camby's dealing with boosters, they wiped out that whole undefeated season. You know, but I, remember, I know like in Alabama, you have Nick Saban on the, the Crimson Tide. Alabama doesn't have any sports teams, so that's all they really had to gravitate to, you know? So, AJ, not to belabor the sports point here, uh, let, let's talk about something else, uh, something that has been in the news lately. And I know this kind of makes my blood boil a little bit, and perhaps yours, Justin Bieber. <laughs> and some of that preferential treatment that he seems to be getting. Yeah. yeah. Where do you think is the source of that? Uh, I think, you know, I don't know if y'all are fans of Paul Mooney, but Paul Mooney made a, a joke. And, uh, you know, Paul Mooney is, is known to, to speak about race and racial issues in his comedy. And he's made the statement before that he has the, the complexion for protection. Um, and it's no secret that young white men, in, in general, not always, seem to have a little bit more leeway than some of our, our darker skin brothers and sisters. Uh, and you look at, like, there was a great, we just talked about Richard Sermon in the last episode before the Super Bowl. Uh, one of the things that, you know, that was interesting was when, you know, the issue came out about Richard Sherman and what happened with him in his interview and how people were vilifying him, calling him a thug, etc. And then that same week, here Justin Bieber gets arrested. He's obviously intoxicated. He's, you know, speeding. He's driving recklessly. And nobody is saying, nobody's calling him a thug. Nobody's calling him all these other terrible names that you would, you would use to refer to someone. And, you know, meanwhile, he has a record. This is not the first time that he's he's been arrested. He's doing multiple things to, you know, and I think he just, what, was he charged with assault recently? Um, but, you know, it's it's media. The media paints him as, you know, being able to do no wrong. And people don't want to assume that he's the type of person that can do that. But, you know, you, you see somebody like a Richard Sermon, a young black man that's wearing locks, and it's very easy to paint him in a villainous light. Yeah, I mean, they pretty much uh, summed that up. <laughs> There's nothing really much to add to that. You just broke that down, man. Exactly the way it, you know, as as it's uh, it needs to be broken down. I mean, he does have that veil of protection. I mean, uh, and, but what's interesting too is that you know, I think I think the media and just probably American culture in general just sees Justin Bieber as, as and and anyone that falls in that same category as just being harmless. You know, I think they're just looking at him as just being a reckless teen. You know, and that's pretty much it. Doing no, you know, not really harming anybody else. He doesn't have that sort of stigma attached to him as if someone of a person of color would be seen as to be a little bit more harmful and uh, destructive. And I think it's just those sort of uh, stigmas and stereotypes that we associate based on race that plays a huge factor in how we perceive um, actions and choices that other people make. You know, I mean, it's like the skin color determines whether or not you know, this person is a threat or not a threat. And I just found it interesting, too, that remember, I think it was 10 years ago in the Super Bowl where uh, Justin, not Justin Bieber, I was like Justin Timberlake, Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson were doing their halftime show and he peeled off her shirt and exposed, I'm not sure if it was her left boob or right boob, I got to look at my tape, I have a tape of that, like, I look at it again. <laughs> it was a pasting. It was a pasting. You know, exposed her, her, one of her boobs and she caught a lot of flack for that. You know, they blamed her well, it's it's her fault. You should have had your wardrobe, this and this and that. But it was ju it was Justin Timberlake who 
ripped it off. She but actually got a lot more than just flack. She got blacklisted. She did. That is she true. She got blacklisted from the entertainment industry. They wouldn't play her music videos, her music, all different stations. It was like a, a, a serious power play where she was blacklisted, and it really had a significant effect on her career. Not to say that she was at a shining moment in her career at that point, because, I mean, this was beyond her Rhythm Nation days where she was, you know, on top of things. But, I mean, it, it really had a serious impact on, on her career. They completely shut it down, shut things down for her. But meanwhile, Justin Timberlake continued to, to rise and have the prosperous career that he, you know, continues to have today. And the interesting thing is, and I even wrote an article about it, about Richard Sherman, but people say he's a thug, but people really don't understand. He, yes, he's from Compton, but he speaks very well. If you were a blind man and someone said, hey, it's Richard Sherman, you wouldn't think he was a thug at all. He does speak very eloquently, very little use of slang. He went to Stanford, majored in communications, had a 3.7 GPA, had a 4.2 GPA in high school. But again, you're right, it's that, that stigma. He's a black man with dreads, let's call him a thug. But the thing that bothered me was he just got caught up in the heat of the moment. I mean, he made the game-saving play. You know, he was defending Michael Crabtree, did a pretty good job on him. And just because he, you know, bugged out during a post-game interview, he was labeled a thug, which I think just got taken way out of proportion, way out of proportion. I think, it's, I think, I think uh, the way that the media just really just jumped on that and, and the, the large amounts of criticism that followed, I think it's a bit ridiculous. I mean, it's a, he's an athlete. He's a, you know, you're playing a game of sports. You're not... I mean, how much etiquette are we really expecting from our players who are in the moment? There's a lot of adrenaline flowing, a lot of testosterone going. I mean, we don't look for look at athletes to, to come, you know, in a post-game, right after you make a huge play, and come on there and just really just like, oh, yeah, so by the way, you know, I really enjoyed, the, you know, the, the play that we made, and, uh, you know, I, I really admire the other team. You have a spot of tea. I mean, it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? There's going to be a lot of energy there, and, and I don't think that... I mean, so long as they're not really doing anything ridiculous like cursing on national television, I mean, that's one thing. But, I mean, he was just, he was, you know, very emotional and he, he expressed himself that way. And I don't think there was anything wrong with it. But, at, you know, if he was some, you know, of a different color, I think the reaction would have been a lot different. I think the reaction would have been a lot different. Yeah, I mean, and, and when, I, when I said what I said, I mean, I, I did hesitate. I took a quick pause because so often when you bring race up as an issue, people want to automatically... Uh, tune out, you know, because it, it's not something that they want to hear. It's it's not the conversation that they want to have. And, you know, I really try not to, to, to rest on that as, as being an issue. But in this in this case, it was pretty apparent. You know, Justin Bieber is a young white kid that has been privileged, has done a few things, has been, you know, garnered a fan base. And I mean, you know, at different times, I mean, rightfully so. He's, he's talented. He's very talented. But, you know, talented people still make mistakes and talented people still need to be accountable for those mistakes. But when you have someone who, you know, like a Richard Sherman, who's also extremely talented and he does something that's benign, essentially, and gets blasted for it, it does call into question why certain people are, are you know, why the things that they do are coming to the forefront and why the things that others are doing are being swept under the rug. I think a lot of this was just simply media hype because, you know, Seattle is not really a nationally loved team. I mean, they are a small market. You don't hear a lot of people flocking to their TV saying, oh, I'm going to watch a Seahawks play. I think they just wanted to, you know, drum up some interest for the Super Bowl because you already have Peyton Manning, who's the NFL's golden boy. They love him. He's on commercials. He just came off of four neck surgeries. And I think they just wanted to just drum up some more ratings and storylines for people to watch the Super Bowl because now everyone's going to keep their eye on Richard Sherman. Oh, 
Is Wes Walker going to burn him down the field? Or is Eric Decker going to get him? Is he going to be able to intercept? So, I mean, I just think it's all media hype and a big media craze. And sometimes it just gets on my nerves because I just sit there and say, you know what, let's just watch it for what it is instead of trying to add extra sugar on top of it when it's already sweet. You know what I mean? So you're, you're, you're saying that you think that the, 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 the strong reaction from the media to Richard Sherman's post-game interview was primarily just to drum up yeah. interest in the game? I believe so. It had nothing so. to do with anything else? You don't no, think? I, I believe it was... I mean, I'd say at least 60% of it was to drum up more interest because, like I said, it's not like people sit there and flock to their TV and say, yeah, let's watch the Seattle Seahawks. They're not one of the, you know, one of the sexier teams, quote-unquote, that people would want to watch on TV, you know? So I think that was just something to draw up more interest. And Seattle is a small market, so... So at what point did it... If that's the case, then at what point did it become a race thing? Like, I mean, because when you... when I mean, who... Who started using terms like thugs to describe Richard Sherman, um, you know, with regards to his response? Was that media or was that like, you know, individuals who, you know, have means and access to um, having their voice heard on, you know, on a, on a loud platform? Like, you know. I think it was AJ and Chris. I think it was them two. They're the ones talking about, oh, he's a thug, he's a thug, he's a thug. So I think it just spread from dude logic all, all across the media waves. And now you got this big, you know, phenomenon yeah, that's how going. It that's how I recall it, AJ. The main topic. All right, it's time for our main topic. And the title of our main topic today is, Is Chivalry Dead? And for the remainder of the show, we're going to do like we did last show and sound a whistle, a referee's whistle, every time AJ says something that is deemed inappropriate or insensitive. So watch out, AJ, all right? I, I still don't understand why I'm the only one that gets gets the, the whistle blown on me. It might be because you're the only one who say stuff like that. Oh, you haven't heard me yet. <laughs> well, we'll watch out. We'll watch out. <laughs> All right, so like I said... You're over here discriminating against the mouth. Just because I speak more doesn't mean I have to get whistled more. As mentioned before, the main topic is, is chivalry dead? So, the obvious question, is it? I think it is on life support. Yeah, I believe it's on life support. I don't think it's totally dead yet, but I think it's on life support. Man, see, I was about to say the same thing too, man. You just just hijacked my response. But uh, yeah, I think it's on life support. I think it's more prevalent uh, in the older generation. But as far as uh, the younger generation, uh, no, I, I think it's almost uh, non-existent as far as what I can see. And I, I can't even necessarily say just the younger generation, even our, gen our generation as well. It's... Uh, not really um, as prevalent as you know we would like to think that it is, given you know um, our you know our parents' age and you know what we've seen in terms of how they've interacted with one another, men and women. So I would say it's on life support as well. I agree with you. Uh, you know, I think it's it's a combination of things that have led to less chivalry or. or um, chivalrous actions not being expressed as often you know and i think it's both men and women that are are to blame for that it's the safe answer um with women i feel like it's women women are not holding uh men accountable anymore you know it's not even an expectation of certain chivalrous actions like to some point um you know there are women who i deal with you know being that i was i was i was raised by people who who understand chivalry who understand the power behind it and what it means to, to be a, a man with some some culture, some some class, 
you know, it's not unusual for me. Like I open doors. I walk on the outside of the uh, on the outside of the sidewalk. I I do those things. I stand up when you come back from the restroom. I take my hat off when I walk in the door. These are things that you do, but it's not expected anymore. And oftentimes when I do those things, women look at me like I'm crazy. Like, you know, it's not necessary for you to do that. You don't have to open the door every time I do that. Like we, we go to the car. Uh, and in some ways, you know, um, I, well, Chris, I think we've had this discussion before, but it's an issue when, you know, you do things that are considered chivalrous and then women want to mistake that for being thirsty. I totally agree with that part about, you know, when you do chivalrous things, women tend to think it's thirsty. I just feel like this women, I mean, I'm all for being chivalrous. Don't get me wrong, but I think some women bur- burn both end- ends of the candle. I mean, one minute they want a guy to be chivalrous, the next minute it's this women's lib, I'm independent, no, 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 no. As far as far as walking on the outside of the sidewalk, I'll do it as if it's, an, if it's a nice day, but if it's a rainy day and then the puddles out there, man, please, I'm on the inside all day. You go ahead and get wet, you be chivalrous to me. <laughs> no, no, I'm only kidding. But, but, but all jokes aside though, like, yeah, I, I think, a lot of women like to burn both ends of the candle, you know, because me, I don't say anything wrong with holding doors. I'll even do it for a guy. Like if a guy's walking behind me, I'll pass the door along. I won't stand there and hold it, but I'll pass it along. Like, I just think it becomes second nature. But I think this new breed, this new generation, especially the younger ones, you know, in the, in the 25 and under bracket tend to just kind of lose sight of that. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I agree. I think, uh, I mean, when, we, when we're talking about as far as like who killed it or what the causes, I mean, I, I agree. There's a lot of different factors I think that play into this uh, surrounding, as was mentioned, you know, women's lib, maybe even feminism, uh, the changing gender roles. I mean, there's there's all these things that play a part in how we view, um, how men and women view each other and what our expect expectations are of one another. And, you know, in the advent of women's lib and, you know, women being able to stand on, you know, uh, have you know same rights as men or being viewed as equal as men um, a lot of those things have changed in terms of what they expect men to do for for them and also what men feel they should be responsible in doing for women so I mean it's 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 kind of like all of those things intertwine and you know I think I mean whether it's a good thing or not I don't know but um, it, it def- there's definitely a lot of uh, subsequent reactions that may not necessarily have been anticipated with a lot of these movements you know what i mean like with the feminism and women's lib and how it's kind of taken you know the the effect the after effects of all of that in terms of uh the relationships between men and women um but i'm going off on a, on a different t- tangent i'm going to get a little deep I, my mind tends to work like i look at things on a very deep 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 level man i analyze every different aspect of things but uh point is Shit's changed. <laughs> you know, that's just the, the reality of it. And, you know, uh, it's just the way it is now. Let me ask you guys a question, and I'm going to pose it to each of you individually. Do you think that maybe uh, Janet Jackson on that fateful Super Bowl night, maybe her, her breasts were like sweaty, and she said, yo, Justin, listen, man, just pop one of them so I can get some air, you know, to be chivalrous. <laughs> Did you believe that was Justin Timberlake being chivalrous by just exposing her left or right boob so she can get some air on it? I'm I'm gonna let Chris answer that since he wants to be so quiet all the time. Go ahead, Chris. Oh man, so the thing is, we think we know from his public persona like what Justin Timberlake is all about, and you know we like to think that he's a chivalrous man, that he's a guy who respects 
uh, now his wife, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's married. Jennifer, what's it? What's the last name? Um, not Scarlett Johansson, but uh, oh man, you would have never asked me. I would have been able to tell you. I like to think it's Jennifer Garner, man. Yeah, no, I don't. It is like not. It. All right. No, it's not. It's not Jennifer Garner. It's not. It's uh, it's a girl who used to be on Seventh Heaven when we were kids. What's her name? Yeah, well, whoever she is. So. All right, I'm Googling. I it. mean, we like to think that he is. So, you know, personally, I would say if Janet came to him with such a ridiculous request, he may actually honor Jennifer Beale. Wait, no, not Beale. Jessica Beale. Yeah. Jessica Beale. Jessica Beale. Yeah, that's the name. Oh, yeah, she played in um, uh, Texas Chainsaw. She was like the last one remaining, right? Jessica Biel? I don't know. Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, well, this movie this movie came out in 03, so I would hope it wouldn't be too much of a... She played in Chuck Larry. Yeah, That's where I know it from. From the whole mirror scene. Yeah. Yeah, that was a... I'm yeah. fond of that scene. It was a good one. It's an excellent, <laughs> excellent piece of, of film lore, for sure. Yes, absolutely. So, AJ, do you think Justin was being chivalrous to Janet? By just exposing her her booby like that, letting her get some breeze. I mean, it was probably pretty warm down there with her performing. Um, you know, I think Justin just wanted to see what the the fuss was all about. Uh, he wanted to, you know see firsthand. Uh, maybe he just wanted to start a. Maybe it was all a conspiracy. Maybe Olivia Pope was behind it, and she said, "Justin, if you pull the boob out." Your career will take off. You brought up Olivia Pope, man. How are you going to do that? Nah, but I mean, I, 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 you know, as you said, AJ, I mean, it's definitely, there's, there's a lot of change in expectations, man. And, um, you know, it, as far as what, what contributed to that, I mean, we could talk all day about, you know, about that, man, because there's so many different avenues we can go down as far as, you know, what contributed to the decline of chivalry as we see it today. Um, but I mean, I mean, let me just take a quick poll. I mean, do you guys open doors for women and do you guys, you know, pull out chairs and do you, uh, I don't know, bring flowers on dates and stuff and lay down your jacket over a puddle? You know, this is a good point because I think this speaks towards um, chivalry as a means to an end versus chivalry for the mere act of doing it. And so when you think about, you know, me, I'm married and when my wife and I were dating, it was definitely, I was very chivalrous, you know, opening doors every single time we went to the car, putting jackets over puddles, walking. Chris, did you actually put a jacket over a puddle? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Oh, yeah? Absolutely. I mean, and that actually. Chris, happened. all right, all right. Sorry, excuse me. I don't, you know, I, Chris, you don't speak often, and I, and I know I shouldn't disrespect you, but uh, seriously, dude, you put, your, you put your jacket over a puddle. It wasn't necessarily a jacket that I was that far. Can, can somebody please blow the whistle on Chris? Can somebody blow the whistle on Chris? <laughs> he really did put his jacket over that, a puddle, that is, ladies and Chris, gentlemen. Can you believe uh, Look, I love women, and I am I am a chivalrous man. But when we can walk around a puddle, or I can pick you up and carry you over a puddle, I'm not about to put my jacket in some dirty water. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it only happened once. <laughs> and it has not happened since we've been married, too. I can say that. It hasn't rained that hard. <laughs> look. Unless you weigh 500 pounds and I cannot pick you up, there is another way to get around this issue. Wow, so you you took that chivalry to uh, to that to that uh, to that Disney-fied level of actually putting your jacket down over a puddle, man. That's amazing. But you know that is for a means to an end, really. I wanted something to result from that. Did you pick the jacket back up, or you just left it there since it was already wet? I picked the jacket back up, but you know, put it. He doesn't want to pollute, man. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not trying to leave it there. But, you know, it was a mean to an end. But 
now that we are married and you know we're in this bond to hell with it no no it's not but you know you got a lot what of guys you wanted. Think there's way. no need to be chivalrous <laughs> anymore absolutely a lot of guys think that way man but you know now it's more so like you got to keep your marriage strong and right. that's one of the things that has to occur you know you you gotta go out on date nights and stuff you gotta really keep it fresh and right. one of the things that she expects when we're keeping it fresh is for me to maintain that chivalrous mode that i you know, shivers way i treat her so would you advise like to our young generation coming up now you know and even to you know people of our age group you know who are probably don't practice chivalry that would be a good thing to do i do i do but the big question here is like how do we teach only if you're getting some cutting yeah, yeah i mean how do we teach it because this society is all about me and what i want and things like that but chivalry really at its core is not really about what you can get from it it's about what you can do for someone else and so how do you teach that to young men who are really concerned about me, me, and me? That's a good question, man. That's a very good question. Uh, yeah, excellent. Excellent point, Chris. I mean, I don't know. For me, I do it because it makes me feel better about who I am. You know, I, I aspire to be more like, you know, and I've talked about it before, my father, my grandfather, my, my you know, other people who've been in my life, other men who've been in my life who've uh, impressed upon me a certain air about them. They were all chivalrous. So I just kind of fell in kind. I think the best way to teach the young generation to do it is, is to, to be chivalrous, um, to make it apparent, to show them, you know, open doors and show them this is what you do when a lady is walking in. Uh, it has to become, I mean, I think the, the best way to teach it is just by doing, you know, the more you, ex you exhibit those behaviors, the more people see it, the more, it's just like you want somebody to be happy, man. The best way to help somebody be happy is to smile at them to express happiness. You know, it's not something you can teach. You just have to do it. I think it's imperative too, because, um, you know, with people in our age bracket and older, we've experienced it because, you know, many of us have had that male figure, that father, you know, so forth growing up. So we were able to see it. But I think a lot of the younger generation don't really have, I mean, if you think about it, how many black men in this day and age in the 25 and under bracket have been raised by a single mom? where they don't really have that man to show them how to, you know, open a door, pull out a chair, pay on a date, you know, things like that. And I, I just think we as men have to kind of bring that back because you're right, like a lot, of the, a lot of the young generation has lost it. But us, we've seen it happening. Like, again, we grew up on shows like The Cosby Show and Good Times where there was a father figure in the household and he was doing those kind of things. I mean, now, I don't even, I mean, how many sitcoms out there now you know, are pushing the, the gay agenda. Like, don't they have a show called, um, it has uh, the guy from Al Bundy, uh, Ed O'Neill, and it has, um, what's the name of that show? Uh, Modern Family. Modern Family, you know, where they have other shows where there is women that pretty much dominate the, the structure of the show, and there's no real man there, you know? And even when you're looking, not to go too much off on a tangent, but even if you look at stuff like Father's Day, I mean, how many Father's Day cards has fathers with the buffoon-like appearance, you know? Uh, Bart, um, Homer Simpson, and the guy off Family Guy, uh, Peter, Griffin. Peter Griffin, right, they, they don't have men, so I think this goes a little bit further than chivalry, just the fact that men aren't really depicted in that strong role, except they're just a backdrop to and what's becoming more of a matriarchal society. Mm. <clears throat> hmm. Some good points there, man. Yeah. So, so let me ask you guys this, not to, not to, uh, really, uh, take away anything from what Quartonia just said, but real quickly, I mean, do you, do you guys 
I mean, as far as exhibiting chivalry and practicing chivalry, do you do you feel more of a of a like a man when you do it? Is it rewarding in that sense, where you feel like it's your duty as a man to exhibit and demonstrate chivalry? I mean, it's, it's just second nature. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I may forget, but as a whole, I have no problem going to the car door and opening it up, you know, or I have no problem holding a door. Now, pulling out a chair, to be honest, I don't think I've ever done that. But, you know, other things like that, it's just second nature. That's just how I am, what I do. But is it tied to your to our manlyhood to be chivalrous? Like, I mean, if we don't do it, we're seen as less of a man. I mean, how does how, how do we perceive ourselves? How does society perceive us? How do women perceive us? I'll be honest. Uh, when I see, you know, one of the things that really irks me, one of my pet peeves is if I'm in a room and there are women standing up and I see men who are able-bodied, sitting down in a chair and they don't get up to give their seat up to a woman who's standing that bugs me that 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 really really bothers me i've actually gone to so far as to say something to men who were sitting down when women were standing up like so in that in that moment i definitely looked at him as being less than a man like you're allowing for a woman to to stand here you know especially if she's in heels or if you're at church and she's in you know in a nice dress etc like there's there's there are times or, you know, even on the subway, like get up. There's an older woman or man who comes in, you know, do for your elders as well. Chivalry doesn't just extend to the the opposite sex. If an elderly man comes in, I'm giving him my seat. That bugs me. AJ, do you think there's a time where, you know, again, I think we all can agree that we're of the chivalrous breed. But do you think there's a time where women become entitled or too entitled? Um, You know, I think that it's a it's a delicate balance that has to be made you know uh you know let's talk about first dates when it comes to paying a check picking up the bill you know that's that's something that is has definitely become uh you know an interesting issue over the last few years because with women being you know like you said they're moving towards a place where they're they're getting closer to having equal pay in the workforce uh so if you're making as they much do. or more than i already making, do why is it now they already do. the expectation? No, they already do. <laughs> they already do. Let's not get caught up in the No, there are some women who do. are making, like I've gone on dates, yes, with women who are making more than I do. And, it, and it's not an issue for me at all. But at the end of the day, if, you know, let's ask that question. If you're making more money than I do, you know, 50 years ago, it might have been the expectation that I pay for the check because you didn't have the income that I have. But now that we're in an equal playing field, why is it still an expectation for me to pick up the check? Um, you know, I still do it because it's chivalry. It's who I am. It's, it's my nature. I can't get away from it, even if I wanted to. But I do appreciate a woman who will offer. It shouldn't necessarily be something that you just assume is going to happen. Um, when you acknowledge the chivalry, you make me, you, you reinforce a positive behavior. Let's, let's talk about it from psychology perspective for a woman. It's important that if I open the door for you, that the other side of chivalry is you acknowledge that I was being chivalrous. Thank you for opening the door. You know, that's the type of thing that women, if you're listening right now, when you see somebody doing something, when they're going out of their way to make life easier for you or to do something out of the kindness of their heart, show gratitude. If you want chivalry to exist, acknowledge it. If you continue to, to, to pretend like it doesn't exist or pretend like you don't enjoy it, men will slowly and surely continue to tune out and let you live your life however you want to live it. Just to kind of play a little bit of devil's advocate here, but I mean, how about those situations? Back to what you were saying about, um, 
you know, if a man or someone extends some some sort of a gracious gesture to a woman that she should acknowledge it. I mean, who who, who are you to say that she should have to acknowledge that? You know, you, you have some folks who would argue that and say, well, who are you to impose that? You know that upon her that she has to acknowledge that and 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 and, and I, show some appreciation. I, mean, I just think it's just basic manners. Like I mean, if if, I, if someone held the door for me, whether it's a guy or a girl, I'm going to say thank you. If someone did something for me, regardless of what I'm going to say thank you, because in the end, you know, we're brought up in such an individualistic society that people don't have to do anything for you. Period. I mean, our own folks. I know some kids growing up that their folks are like, you got to go at age 18. So now the fact that people do things for you. It's just a matter, like AJ said, it's a matter of just even saying thank you. It even goes beyond chivalry. If I hold the door for a woman, like for instance, if I'm driving and I let someone go by me and they, you know, turn and go by me and don't even throw their hands up to say thank you. Or like if someone's crossing the street and I go out of my way to like damn near jam my brakes to make sure they cross, even if you have a, a child or if you have bags and you don't even throw your hand up and say thank you, I mean, I know I did my good deed, quote unquote, for the moment, but the fact that you couldn't acknowledge it, because I could have kept on going and let the next car worry about letting you go by. But why do they have to acknowledge it? Who's to say that they have to? I mean, we live in a we live in an age now, depending on what region of the country you live in, where people are a little bit more friendly or not so it's friendly. Manas but I mean, if you, you we've heard, and whether whether you've heard on other broadcasts or read on the internets or where have you, there have been plenty of situations cited where you know men have said hello to women and have been met with no response. You know what I mean? Now that's looked at, I mean, there's nothing chivalrous about that, but it's just merely acknowledging the existence of another human being. You say hello, I mean, you say hello, the expectation is that the other person would acknowledge that and say hello back and keep it moving. But we live in a time and age where now that's not being reciprocated. Something as simple as a salutation is not being reciprocated. I'm not saying it happens, it's like some rampant, uh, uh, phenomenon going on, but it does happen more often than not, enough that it's noticed. So, I mean, you know, holding out a door, someone walks through, doesn't say thank you, stopping and letting them cross you, it doesn't say thank you. I mean, I mean, what does that say about the state of people? What is the, what is the incentive for those who are being uh, generous in that regard to do these nice things? What is the incentive for them to continue if it's not being reciprocated? The incentive, uh, the incentive for me is, is it comes from within. You know, I, I do kind acts because I believe kindness is contagious. Um, and, you know, I, I believe in the golden rule. You do unto others if you have them do to you. You know, uh, if you want to call it karma, if you want to call it some by a different name, you put positivity out into the world because you know positivity begets positivity. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's coming back to me. But because I said hello to somebody or I opened the door for someone, they might extend the kindness to someone else later in that day. That just makes the world that we live in better. Um, you know, who am I to ask somebody to acknowledge me opening the door? Well, I'm a human being. And, and, and just like it was said, common courtesy, no matter where it's coming from, should be acknowledged, period. Um, just like and, you know, I, mean, I might be going off on a tangent on this, but but run with me on this one. Uh, you know, I have friends and family who are of different faiths, different beliefs. And, you know, whereas I'm a Christian and it's what I choose to subscribe to. I have friends who are atheists. I have friends who are Buddhist. I have friends who are Muslim. I have friends who follow every different religion, creed, what you know, etc. And if I have a friend who's a uh, Buddhist that says they're going to chant for me, you know, because they want some sort of positivity to come to my life. I'm not going to say, well, I, I don't want to accept that because you don't believe what I believe. Thank you. 
just because it's not something you subscribe to, like if you're if you are a woman who believes in women's lib and feminist and you don't have to do anything for me because you're a man and I'm a woman, great. Live that in your life. But if a man opens a door for you and he's doing it out of the kindness of his heart, say thank you. It's only two words, right? Just thank you. That's it. But, I mean, to, the, the argument would be that if they were to let that go without addressing it, they would be perpetuating the same uh, frame of mind that they're trying to eradicate, that men should not feel obligated to do these sorts of things for women, that there's a, you know, who's to say that, that, that you know, she needed him to do that as a man. You're imposing that upon her. So what if she had a couple of bags in her hand and she's walking towards the door? I mean, you could have been a real prick and just let the door close. But the fact that you said, you know what, let me hold this door for this woman who's carrying these two bags. Or like, even if you go on the transit system, and I'm sure you guys can agree, you know, I've seen many instances where a woman will go on the bus and she'd have a stroller with a baby in it. And there will be guys that will come up to her and like help her lift the stroller on the bus and she would say thank you. Now me... What about to say, well, screw it. It's not my woman. It's not my child. I'm going to get on the bus. You you do you. Wouldn't that make you feel some kind of way? Wouldn't that make you feel kind of effed up? That depends on who you're asking. Because, I mean, so, I'm, I'm you know, let's just get, let me just clear the air real quick, right? So, I mean, <clears throat> I believe in chivalry to a point. And I got to say, I'm, I don't necessarily like, you know, what's going on or what's been going on in society here where it seems like they're, you know, they're, it seems like it's, it's one, it's not being given. And two, when it is being given, it's not really appreciated a lot of times either. You know, I think there's an issue there. Um, so I'm not advocating not being chivalrous and not doing nice things or just not being respectful, period. I'm not advocating that at all. I think that we should be. But I'm just playing devil's advocate just to, because I know, you know, some of the arguments that I've heard along the lines of like, when, especially when it comes to, to, to feminism or let me not say feminism, but those let's see, uh, in social media who align themselves with the feminist movement and beliefs, or their self-proclaimed feminists, uh, you know, the, the argument I'm, I'm, I'm reading comes from a place where they feel that as a man, we have this sense that uh, we need to be doing these things for women and that they don't necessarily need us to do these things for them. So in the case where you may open a door, in their mind, if they say thank you and keep, you know, go along their way and say thank you. They're perpetuating that patriarchy that they want to, so that establishment of patriarchy that they want to eliminate. I mean, to that point, I, I think it's silly. It's perpetuating kindness, period. It's not because I'm a man that I open the door for you, because I would open a door for another man, period. It's, it's kindness, I am opening the door because you are walking in behind me and it is a nice thing to do to open the door. Um, so let's look at it. Let's, let's take the example to something else beyond just opening a door. Let's look at a situation where, like, uh, you know, let's say you, you, you have your girlfriend or your wife, you're in the house together and, you know, you're sleeping at nighttime. There's a bump that goes in the night. Somebody has to go down and investigate it, right? Traditionally, our society has said that person should be the man, right? But we live in a time now where... You know, again, you have certain factions of that align themselves with the, you know, the more extreme feminist point of view where, you know, well, who's to say it's the man that has to do that? I can defend myself. I don't need a man to defend me. You know what I mean? So does that mean that, you know, she doesn't appreciate what your efforts are to protect you and her and the family? I don't know. But, you know, the argument is that, you know, why do you feel that is your place to defend somebody else or come to her defense? Does she need you for that? 
Well, you know, I might get the whistle for this one. Uh, but, I mean, you look at it from a basic biology perspective. Men are physically stronger than women. In general. And they can ward off, you know. Any, all right, all right, whatever. <laughs> and they can ward off any type of potential threats better than a woman can. Now, not, that's not to say that the individual variation isn't there and that there aren't some women that are stronger than men. However, generally, if you look at a relationship, the man is physically stronger than the woman. Listen, y'all ever watch wrestling back in the days, China? With China, I'm like, yo, you handle that, baby. I'm about to turn back <laughs> over. Exactly. But you look at most couples and the way that most men choose their women, it just so happens that the woman is less physically imposing than the man. Because what does it look like when a woman is, you know, 6'2", built, you know, got muscles, and the man is like 5'8"? <laughs> it just looks like a chump, right? <laughs> so, I mean, in that sense that you are just better equipped to be able to ward off any potential threat, it should be the man that Well, see, and that's the thing with me. Again, just being second nature, I would go check. I don't even think that would have to do with chivalry. It's just if me and my woman are sleeping, we hear noise downstairs. Now, if she wants to come with me, that's cool. I mean, you have the option, but I know I'm going regardless. It's just second nature. The man, you know, he's supposed to be the provider, the protector, or even if you're not the provider 100%, at least make sure that everyone is comfortable. You know, be the protector of the household. So what if your woman was to say, okay, I want to come with you? Now, now that's a tough one because you can either say, no, baby, I got this, or if she wants to come, then that's fine. But if anything, I'm still going to be in front. I'm not going to have her on the front lines. And I'm like, all right, let me know if it's two people or just one and, you know, so forth and so on. I'll still be on the front anyway. And if you want to come then I guess it's my choice to say, baby, you know, you stay back or or if you want to come, that's on you. But I will be on the front, you know. I'm going to make a bold statement. And, you know, uh, ladies who are listening, feel free to write in if you if you disagree with what I'm saying. But if you are one of those ladies that subscribe to, you know, a man doesn't have to be chivalrous, a man doesn't have to do for you. Keep living your life by yourself because I'm not going to be the man for you. I mean, at the end of the day, hey. Let it be said. No, no, I don't. No, At I the agree end with of that. the That's day, Go ahead, brother. you know, everybody has the ability to be whoever they want and we can interact with each other however we want. And, and if you're one of those women that wants to make that an issue, if you want to make me looking at the door when we sit down to eat a problem. All right. You know, I'll just move on to the next one. If me getting up, if me getting up to save your life because somebody we hear something and it might be a possible intruder in our home is a problem for you. All right, be be the bold woman that goes and gets shot in the chest. Go for it. <laughs> Can I ask you guys? Let me ask you guys a question. So I'll put the scenario out there. So let's say um, you're riding with your boy and you're picking your woman up from work. Now uh, there's a little hint of chivalry in this one. Would you expect your your boy to go in the back seat, or would you say it doesn't matter? We're all going the same place. How do you work around that? AJ, I'll start with you. I mean, no, definitely. If I'm uh, the situation being that I'm picking up my girl and my boy is with me. Uh, I would, if I'm, if I'm riding with, you know, say I'm riding with Chris and we're going to pick up his, his lady, his, his wife, I'm sitting in the backseat and I would expect my boys to do the same thing. Um, you this know, this exact it, situation happened a few weeks ago, right? AJ? It did. It did. Yeah. And, we had just gotten finished recording an episode and I had to go pick up my wife. Um, he and Deshane actually just got in the backseat. Yeah. There's no argument, nothing. It just, it just happens. I mean, it's. It's one of those things, you know, like, uh, especially out of, out of respect for Chris. His lady's in the car. She deserves to be sitting next to his side. I agree. You know, let alone me be, you know, I, at the end of the day, when I see it, like, if my father or my grandfather or my mother or my grandmothers, 
you know, etc. Anybody in my family who raised me would see me sitting in the front seat and a woman sitting in the back. I'm getting choked up on sight. <laughs> so for the rest of my life, I'm a fear that one of them would like, if we would have been driving in the city and my father would have seen me in the, in the window, I would have got a phone call or a text message. Like, what are you doing? Now, if it, now, if I would extend this to the mothers, if you're driving with your mother and you're picking up your wife, then, I mean, I know that's not too much sorry, but I'm going to just take it there. I'm going to take it there. If you're driving with your mother and you're going to pick up your wife, we made it real, y'all. You know, do you tell your mother, Ma, you got to go in the back seat, Or, like, how would you work that? I know it's not on the chivalry end of things, but I'm just curious now that, you know, we're talking about it. Oh, man. I, so this is this is what I would do, all right? Um, and I, I guess it, it, just, it just comes down to what takes precedence. Yes, if, if my wife is with me and my mother's with me, it, it definitely is a sticky situation. But it, it becomes less sticky for me because you respect your elders. You know, your elders are always... You know, I need to go ahead and give them their just due. They've lived a little bit longer. They've dealt with a few more things than I have. So my mother gets the front seat every time. And I'm and I would want to be with a woman who would understand that, you know, uh, I'm sure that if uh, Chris was with his wife and his mother was getting in the car, that his wife would not have an issue at all sitting in the back seat and allowing his. You heard the record scratch, didn't you, AJ? Yes, yes, I did. It, was I wrong? Did I speak out of place? Uh, yeah, yeah, you might have been speaking out of turn there. Oh, oh! I, I am actually of the completely opposite view of you. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, and I'm not going to go too far into religion, because we'll save that for some oh, other here episodes. We go. But aren't you here supposed to cleave to your wife? Uh, uh, Do you have a sound effect for a pool card? <laughs> I got an explosion here. Let's do it. Um, just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Hey, man, look, that's the beauty of this show is we don't always, I mean, we're, we're like-minded individuals for the majority of things, but we don't, we can agree to disagree on this one. Um, but, but you do raise a good point, though, Chris. You, you do raise a, good, raise a good point by bringing that up. So, Sobo, what would you do? I mean, what would I do? <clears throat> well, here's the thing. I wouldn't have to do a damn thing. Because uh, the lady that I'm with would automatically know or would take it upon herself to volunteer her seat to my mother. I wouldn't have to, I shouldn't be in a position to say anything. And if I am put in a situation to say something, I'll be quite surprised and have to reevaluate the relationship altogether. Mm -hmm. Because um, I think just as a sign of, personally, as a sign of respect for the, for the elders, I mean, I'm an, I'm, I saw I appreciate with that, sir. I mean, appreciate I totally that. agree with that. You know, you know, you just give up your seat because it's an elder person. Um, so, but again, I, I wouldn't, I would never, I, I personally, in my time, my experiences in life, I've never had to actually have to tell someone to yeah, do that. That's the important part. You know what I'm saying? I've never had to tell anyone to do that. But uh, I would be surprised if I was to ever encounter a situation like that where I actually have to speak up and say, uh, you mind taking the back seat? Hey, I just, I just have to uh, uh, point out, Chris, um, get ready to get, put, put the whistle on the ready. Uh, I just want to go ahead and say that the last two weeks, uh, both our guests have come on and, and, and agreed with me. I don't know what's going on, but uh, you might need to get on Team AJ. Well, I don't necessarily disagree with, with Chris either. I think he brings up a very uh, interesting don't flip flop. point. Don't flip-flop, don't flip-flop, sir. No, I ain't flip-flopping nothing. But, I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree with I think he, he, he does raise a good point. I mean, from a biblical standpoint, I mean, it does say to cling to your wife. You know what I mean? So... But I mean, just it, from my personal stance, my practice, I mean, it would just be age for me. That's just a practice, you know? But I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily say I disagree with, with, with Chris's approach to it either. Well, you know what? 
the, the way to end all this is get a single cab truck that way they sit next to each other. With, <laughs> either that or just have them lap it. Say, look, y'all just got to lap it, man. I, I ain't bothered. I ain't going to fight over this. Let's just go. See, fortunately, like Mr. Sobo, I'm not in a situation where that would actually happen. My wife would actually give up the seat or my mother would give up the seat and they'd settle that amongst themselves. Right, exactly. I mean, either way, you're not really losing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a win-win. It's two women of your life. Two number one women in your life, or number one and two, and uh, you know you're not really losing out with regards to who's in the front seat if they work it out amongst themselves. Now, is there chivalry in the bedroom? Chivalry in the bedroom? What are you gonna do? Ask if you can bend her over? <laughs> like, you know, do you mind if I take you from the back? <laughs> um, do you mind if I, I do you first? You do me after? When it comes to the bedroom, man, there, there shouldn't be any damn chivalry, personally. There shouldn't be any chivalry. There should be no holes by complete total disrespect. You know. They should, I mean, when, when you're being chivalrous, like, what, how, do you, how does one be chivalrous in the bedroom? Am I allowed to pull your hair? Sure, honey. Yeah, you're yeah, asking, you're going to ask <laughs> permission before you do everything. That's like, you know, asking permission to give a woman a kiss on her first no, date. No, 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 no. I was just, you know just being facetious. I know, I know, but still, okay. it makes for good conversation, though. I mean. No, but you know what? You know, even though you were being facetious, you brought up a good point. Like, what, what is too far? Um, you know, some people engage in. And, and uh, uh, let's how can I frame this uh, more adventurous play um, spanking words. you know do I have to ask you <laughs> if I can you know, tap it a little bit just a little bit <laughs> just a little bit but see AJ what about beyond that like something that you have expressed to me in the past that you know when you are getting it in you're excited about being able to give the woman her pleasure is that considered chivalrous uh, i i don't know if this conversation ever happened sir what are you, <laughs> uh, what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> you might have been speaking to one of your other friends it's amazing what some drinks can do man hey <laughs> i i deny the existence of this conversation no you know what theoretically if you were to be more concerned with the the other person in the situation, you know. Yes, I would consider it being chivalrous, but I mean, I think it's more about being, just being a, a, a selfless. Selfless. Yes, thank you. That was the that was the word I was looking for. It's, it's you know, I feel like if you are are really concerned with making sure that the other person involved is enjoying themselves, is is having a pleasurable experience, that your your experience will be more pleasurable. So in some ways, it's maybe it's not selfless. Maybe, you know, you realize that you're going to have your best experience when the other person is having their best experience. Yeah, I, and I, I agree with that, man. I mean, that's kind of, uh, well, I'm not going to get too personal. But anyway, <laughs> the, the point is, <laughs> oh, the point is, I agree. Right. So, so, so let's say, for instance, you guys are having wild unabashed sweaty fornication right do you offer to make up the bed afterward is it you know change the sheets is that being chivalrous hey baby i'll help you change the sheets how about wow. you just make her breakfast is that change is that chivalrous that's pretty chivalrous i would say well you know what i don't know if that's yeah it's we're gonna go ahead and call it chivalrous but it's something i would do anyway because uh i'm gonna eat and i might as well cook a couple more eggs if i'm going if i'm if i'm gonna eat that's all i'm saying and and you know that's your way of saying thank you Right. <laughs> right. It's better than putting out two hundred dollars on a dresser, right? On a nightstand. I love, I love that we have this this podcast and this forum to be able to speak to uh, to our listeners. But this is one of those moments where I wish you guys could see our faces right now. 
because uh, this conversation is hilarious. So, so Chris, as as the married man on the cast, if you will, what are some of the things that you do, man, to, to make sure that your wife feels appreciated? Put you on blast. I like that question. Well, I mean, I know one of the major things is to to really listen and not just necessarily hear what she's saying. And a lot of times when it comes to listening to women, they just want to know someone is there and they acknowledge what they're saying. They don't want someone to try to solve the problem or try to give them solutions. They just want them to say, you know, that sucks. I feel you on that one. And that was something that I had to learn over the course of a few years because I was always quick to try to solve something. Uh, something's going wrong. Of like, oh, can I help you? Can I help you do this? Can I, can I do this for you? And that's not necessarily the correct way to approach those issues. Uh, but then also to make my woman feel appreciated, uh, we actually have a date night every week. It's um, essentially the same night. And, you know, I always try to do a lot of different things. And since we're new to where we are, that's actually not that difficult for me to do. Um, but then also, I mean, I'm just going to say, like in the bedroom, just making sure that you are are cognizant of her um, her number one abilities, but then number two, her sensibilities. So, you know, you don't want to do anything that can make her feel uncomfortable. And you also want to know, like, hey, what time of day does she like to do something? Maybe I should be ready and available in that time of day to give her what she wants. And so, I mean, those are like minor things that you do, but they go a long way in a relationship. Spoken like a true married man. When you when you hear terms like when you hear when you hear statements like "listen to your woman" and a "date night," you know that man is off the market, man. Spoken <laughs> like a true married man. Yo. <laughs> no, but 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 that's true though. I mean, you you definitely hit the nail on the head, and that's that wisdom that comes with experience, man. In terms of dealing with women, like you know, a lot of times, yeah, they do just want someone to listen. They don't necessarily want you know, a solution to whatever it is that they're dealing with. It's more like, you know, just an, an ear, a shoulder, just to know that someone is there and just to, you know, as you said, to, to just say, I hear you, honey. You know, come nuzzle up into my chest a little bit closer if you'd like. Yeah. You know, and that'd be that. You know, they just provide that comfort for them. You know, and that's it. You know, so not everything that the woman, woman you know, wants is always has to require, you know, a man's uh, point of view or logic, so to say, a dude's logic, so to say. You know, so, but that just comes with experience. But, but in terms of chivalry, like to kind of swing it back to chivalry a little bit there, I mean, <clears throat> you know, in terms of its, its demise or seeming demise, I mean, I think, I think generally we're, we're, raise, we're not raising gentlemen and ladies anymore. You know what I mean? I don't think we're raising gentlemen and, and ladies anymore. And I think that's why chivalry has kind of taken a back seat because we're not, you know, it doesn't seem like we're teaching our, our young lady, our young women or our daughters to be ladies and we're not teaching our young men to be gentlemen. Yeah, there's a lot of moistness going on in the, uh, the, the, the male community. A lot of moistness, man. Lots of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I guess it was so. <laughs> you got to elaborate on that. <laughs> is that? AJ, is that an Urban Dictionary uh, word of the day? I'm not familiar with it, so uh, uh, gentlemen, uh, I, I do believe you might be bringing something to the table. Is this the Urban Dictionary word of the day, Chris? The Urban Dictionary word of the day is moist. Uh, moist is the bathing and glamorizing of the 
topic of estrogenism, if there's such a word. I mean, basically, it's just a man who has a lot of estrogen, not enough testosterone. Just, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say he's gay, you know, for those, you know, those out there who are very sensitive about the topic or the word gay, but a man who's just, just, you know, full of estrogen and not enough testosterone. And, you know, we call that moist, you know, if we, you know, like, for instance, if I have something, you know, on my chin and he goes over, oh, let me wipe this off your chin. That's moist. So, yeah, you know. I think that's beyond moist. <laughs> that is a man law violation. If I have something on my chin. What'd you say, AJ? As a man law violation. If I have something on my chin, you better not lick your thumb and wipe it off my face. <laughs> he, said, he said lick the thumb. Those are fighting words. <laughs> we are now engaged in, in, in a real fight now. It's like, did you just do that in public, son? What? <laughs> it's an issue. Uh, no, but I took out my handy dandy Urban Dictionary app, Moist. Here is a, a an explanation of a situation that may be considered moist. Uh, man, yeah, dude, her purse is real cute. Man number two, that was a real moist statement, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a uh, guy should not be using cute. I mean, you can say, you know, you, you know, you can say, yeah, you know, you have a cute little daughter, you know, but other than that, it's, you should not use that to accessorize. If, if you are not referring to children under the age of ten or babies, right? Cute should not should be not in your vernacular. Okay, so I, I can't call a female cute. Nah, I don't uh, know. I don't know. What? Imagine one of You gotta say she fine as shit, dog. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she got. Him. Yo, you, but but think about how creepy that would be. Imagine like. You know, a, a man brings his daughter. She's like 16, and the dude's like, "Oh, your daughter's cute." It's like, well, "What? What?" But she's like 13. Your daughter's cute. What? You know. After the age of 10, I feel like it, it becomes a little. Hey, she's a teen. Like, there's a teen in front of her name. Uh, age. Her age. There's a problem. Yeah. So, yeah. So so let me ask you nice. this. So let's say, for instance, um, you know, one of your homeboys had had a son, and he was like. A year or two old, would you say? Oh, yeah, you have a cute kid. I've I've heard people say, yeah, cute kid. Mm -hmm. You you would use that term? Oh, definitely. If you're if you're talking about babies and toddlers all day, cute cute is yeah, right, 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 right. No, no, I, I hear you. I agree with that. <laughs> but if he's like seven, like oh, he's cute. Like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Put the red flags up there. Right, right, right. right. You're he, not going to his house. Right, <laughs> blow, he's blowing that whistle all day. <laughs> Inappropriate. <Yeah. laughs> Go ahead. I know you want to press it. Go ahead, press it. <laughs> there we go. All right. <laughs> All right. So the Urban Dictionary word of the day. Moist. The Urban, Urban Dictionary, Dictionary word, of the, word of, the of the day is. I mean, think about it. Like, you know, as I touched on earlier, there, you know, there are a lot of our brothers out there being raised by single women and there's no knock on the women. But in the end, a woman can't teach a man how to be a man. And I think if you're raised in a household where you have a mother, you know, two or three sisters, and there's no type of male presence there, some of that tends to rub, rub up on the guys, and they tend to want to experiment more. Now, I'm not saying for all, because I know men who have been raised up in a, you know, a mother-sister childhood, um, a mother-sister, you know, home, and their sisters were like, they taught them, the little brother, to toughen up. But in a lot of cases, you see a lot of, you know, men being raised in a household where there's a lot of women, and then it just kind of rubs off on them. That's why you see a lot of guys experimenting with the tight pants and, 
you know, the, the skinny jeans oh. and underwear showing and, you know, and, and then a lot of those men don't know how to be chivalrous and they don't know how to be a man because they've never had that type of experience. So when they get older, they just look at women as being a, a whole different, whole different animal, you know, and just like you have women being raised up in a single household where they don't have the father. So they don't really know how to navigate their way during life. But yeah, I, I believe that, you know, there are, there's, a, there's a lot of moistness going on in the, the black community. <laughs> a lot of moistness. What, what, moistness. What, what is being a man though? I'm just, you know, just so we can kind of just kind of address that. What is being a man so that we're able to recognize when someone is not, quote unquote, being a man? Well, um, you know, and I'll do a shameless plug here, but almost a year ago, I wrote an article on the Opinionated Mail. You guys check it out. Um, it was called 10 Things That a Father, uh, 10 Things That a Father Should Teach His Sons. And one of the things I wrote about was accountability. I think when you can learn to be accountable and admit that you're wrong, I think that's a very strong sign of you becoming a man because you can see where, you know, I'm a man, but I'm not always perfect. You know, I tend to make mistakes and screw up too. And I think a lot of men growing up don't have that sense of accountability. They're too quick to point the finger, you know, especially, you know, at a woman. Like if things are going wrong in a relationship, you're always pointing the finger at the woman. You can't sit there and say, you know what, baby, you're right. I own up to that. I got that. And I just think that's one of the instances of being a man. You don't even have to walk around with your chest puffed out being macho and manly. I just think just little nuances like that, I think, is a sign of being a man. How about you guys? I mean, Chris, AJ, I mean, what, what, what do you, how do you define being a man? You know, since we're talking about chivalry and, and, and these sorts of acts that are, you know, associated with being a, a, a man or a gentleman. I mean, what, you know, how, how does one be a man? How do you teach? Because I'm, what I'm trying to get at is like, how do we teach our young ones to be a man? How do we pass this on? If we're talking about chivalry and chivalry not being there, how can we pass this stuff on? And I know you touched upon it earlier, AJ, through demonstration, but I mean, in terms of like, we have to be able to identify in ourselves, what are these manly characteristics that we want to pass down to our younger generation? What makes you a man besides opening a door? Accountability. I, I, I just to, to piggyback off of what was said, um, Owning up to who you are, what you are, and being willing to stand there and take the, the bullets thrown at you or, or, or coming at you after you've said and, and done what you feel is right. And know that there are going to be people who aren't going to necessarily agree with everything that you do, but at least you stood up for what you believed in and 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 did that. Uh, you know, responsibility. Uh, you know, I just, I mean, that's something that we've, we've kind of echoed several times in our, in our podcast is as a man, you know, you have to be willing to step up to the plate and take care of the things that you know are necessary to, to take care of. Uh, also, I mean, if you wanted to look for some references, um, if you want to, you know, look at uh, the bro code from how to be, uh, how, well, how is it? What's the name of it, Chris? How I Met Your Mother? Yeah, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, the bro code and or man laws. You can always reference those. <laughs> so, 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 I mean, and, and to kind of... Uh, I mean, just just as much as we should definitely, you know, try to teach our, our young men, you know, how to be more of quote unquote men or more gentlemanly. I mean, we also need to teach our young women how to, I guess, appreciate these these gestures, yeah. you know, so to say so that no one's left hanging when, uh, you know, a guy holds the door and a woman walks through that door and doesn't say thank you. And he says, you know what, to hell with this. I ain't doing this no more for the rest of my life. Screw women. Right. You know, I mean, it's like. I mean, how, how do we how do we 
go about addressing, you know, those women who sort of either don't appreciate it or even take advantage of the acts of chivalry? Then if you don't appreciate it, go get a dog. Go, 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 get, get you a dog. Go get you some cats. All right, so we're talking about manhood and what is a man. One thing that men can really do, and especially young men out there, can really do is listen to dude logic. That teaches you exactly how to be a man. Follow what we say, and we guarantee you'll be a man. You'll get all the girls you want. And especially with this segment that we have coming Hopefully up. not all the STDs you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just don't get out STDs. Don't blame that on dude logic. <laughs> <laughs> dude logic, we definitely sponsor... Uh, responsible safe sex wrap up there it is every time yes and especially regularly this segment that we're gonna have coming up is called manly or michley you remember it from episode one manly or michley and it's the segment where we have a scenario that's presented and we'll have somebody take the side that's saying this is manly and we're having someone take the side saying this it's is time for manly So we'll start out this Manly and Michley segment uh, talking about something that a scientist is doing. So he's an astrobiologist, and, you know, NASA has been doing a lot of stuff on, the, on Mars. They've been um, taking pictures of rocks and trying to classify them and everything. So an astrobiologist, Dr. Ron Joseph, is filing a lawsuit against NASA and its administrator, Charles Bolden. And he's suing them, saying that, they classified a rock as a rock without taking a close look at it. And so the reason that he's filing this lawsuit is to compel the space agency to take a closer look at the rock. So he filed this uh, petition last Monday in California, and it calls for NASA to closely photograph and thoroughly scientifically examine and investigate a putative biological organism. Do you think this is Manly or Michley trying to force a government agency to look further into one rock on Mars by filing a lawsuit. Uh, first off, I just want to say this is clearly a Chris question because <laughs> nobody else cares that much about this rock. That's all I'm saying. So, so before I even answer, like, so what does he think the possibilities of it might be other than a rock? that there might be some type of life life associated with it yeah exactly well i mean okay so i'll just go ahead i'll say that's manly and here's why right so obviously he's trying i mean it's for the 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 knowledge of, of mankind right you're trying to see if this thing is really i mean it, he feels that they didn't take uh make all the uh efforts needed to determine or ascertain whether or not this thing was really a rock or something else and he wants to make sure that they do a thorough job of uh, investigating this element to ensure whether or not their preliminary uh, conclusions about it is accurate or not. I, and, I, and I guess that would speak to how they conduct their business uh, further along beyond this instance. So I'll say it's, it's manly. All right. Well, me, um, I'd it's a waste have, of money, but I'd have to go both. I know I'm supposed to choose a side, but I'm gonna go both. I mean, anyone who stands up to the U.S. government to me is manly. Ah, okay. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I, I was thinking the exact same thing. Anybody who's man enough to go up against the U.S. government, that's a manly action all day long. Exactly, exactly. 
but I feel it's Mitchley because I think anyone, any frivolous lawsuits, period, is Mitchley. I mean, you just, for what? You know, that, that's like, I, and just to go a little off topic, uh, Jay, uh, Jay-Z sued David Ortiz because David Ortiz has a 40-40 club in the Dominican Republic. Keep in mind, Jay-Z can send David Ortiz's kids and grandkids and great-grandkids to college. Yeah. But to sue David Ortiz for, I'm not sure how much the amount of money was because he had a 40-40 club in the Dominican Republic, you know, to me that, you know, that's a frivolous lawsuit. So any frivolous lawsuits to me is Mitchley. So I'm going to have to go on both sides of the fence here. So are we, are you, are you calling this androgynous? Is that what we're doing? What? Is this completely androgynous? Like, I don't know if that's the proper term in this situation, but when, we, when it's... <laughs> it, it, he's ambiguous, being ambiguous with his uh, point of view. Okay, all right. Hold on. Androgynous? Hey, look, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know how to classify, you know, Manly or Mitchley if, it was, if we can associate sex uh, with it. I just didn't know. So I was, <laughs> I, was, I was throwing it out there. We can take that out. I don't care. <laughs> all right. So we pretty much are on the same side. I'm on the same side. That is manly too, because standing up against the U.S. government is a huge thing. All right, so we got another situation here. Uh, everybody knows Bill Maher, right? Yeah. Uh, he has real time with Bill Maher. Yeah. He has announced officially that they will be that his show will be trying to oust a sitting member of Congress, like really trying to do it on the show. So what they'll do is they'll ask his viewers to persuade the show that their representative is the worst in the entire house. And then the show will select whichever congressperson it thinks is both terrible enough and in a competitive enough race to earn the honor of its ire. And so uh, he'll make occasional visits to that member's district to perform stand-up and generally stir up hostile feelings towards the show's target. Manly or Mitchley? I say Manly again. And I say that because, I mean, again, it falls in similar lines with... uh, the uh the the previous example of 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 taking a stand against the establishment so to say right it shows power in people it really does i mean it may be for some i mean it may be maybe his intentions aren't really you know the most noblest with this but it shows that you know if people are willing to put their forces together that they can make things happen i would say it's manly i say it's mitchley because he's going to have rule paul on the front lines with him going against them. Uh, so. You know what, man? I'm a fan of Bill Maher. I got to go with, with Manly. Uh, just because he's not afraid to speak his mind and say exactly what it is that he, he, he wants to say at all times. And any man who's, who's willing to engage in free speech is, uh, is Manly to me. You might as well get it done before it gets wiped out in several years. You might as well, you know, infuse that right as much as we can. <laughs> all right, so the third Manly of Mitchley situation is something that was actually given to me by a by a listener and this was in the dear abby sections of the newspapers so it says here dear abby during the past three years my husband and i have managed to save about forty-five thousand for a down payment on the purchase of a new home we each put in about half early last month i asked my husband if he liked one house we had just seen and he confessed that he had taken all of the money we had saved and put it into a struggling business he has had for 12 years in which I helped him run on weekends. I am devastated. It's not just the money, which was our future. The plan was to purchase an affordable home and pay it off quickly. But he lied to me, strung me along, and stole from me because half of that money was mine. There is no chance he can repay it. 
my trust in him and our marriage is broken. What are your thoughts? That's Mitchley. I mean, I'm sorry. There's no other way to put her. No, no. I mean, if anyone says it's manly, I'm sorry. That's Mitchley, straight up. I, you know, I I even feel like saying bitchly, but I'll just say Mitchley. You, you just took my response. So I, I mean, what the hell? You just took my response, man. So what about if he says, you know, I was trying to support my family and my business is the way to support our families. But he did it the wrong way, though. There is no excuse. He went about it the wrong way. And if it's he should have had that conversation with his wife. And if it's a struggling business, how is it supporting the family? Exactly. <laughs> uh, th there's no excuse for his actions. I mean, first off, he should be slapped because any man that is fortunate enough to have a woman who understands the need to save money for your future and puts in... $24,000 into a down payment for a home and you take that and you you destroy her trust you should be I'm not gonna say that you should be <laughs> there should be some sort of punishment that comes from this that's ridiculous because there are so many men out here who are looking for that woman and haven't found it yet and that is the most Mitchly thing I've heard on this show so far you took and not only did you lie to your wife but then you invested it in something that actually isn't helping your future. So you are failing as a provider. I mean, like, he lied to her. He took her trust and abused it. He allowed her to continue to put into something that he ended up using for different reasons without having the decency of, to have the conversation with her. Mitchley, hands he was down. A, no one can deny he was an optimist. <laughs> so does that make him slightly manly? <laughs> Just because he was optimistic about something. You know, he employed a uh, thick, fa thick face, black heart. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but um, it's a book by uh, Ching Ning Chu that talks about um, basically doing things you want to do without any regard to how it may affect other people. So it's, it's basically trying to get what you want out of life without giving any regards to other people, you know, but there's some folks who do it who exhibits what she would call thick face black heart um, with uh, no sort of conscience. And that would be, I think this gentleman would fall under that category of not having any conscience because, I mean, 45 grand, 45 grand? 45 grand. 45 grand. And, and sunk it into a, into a failing business. I mean, without the consent or, you know, blessings of his wife. I mean, that's just, that's just crazy. Yeah, that's mentally beyond, there's no question. No question. There's no excuse. There's abs I have no respect. If oh man, I hope this guy hears it. That's crazy. You may shit. You should just go ahead and offer to divorce your wife for her, like just right, just to save her. her. That was terrible. That's on. That's honestly, I mean, that's almost grounds for a divorce right there, man. I mean, forty five grand and half of that money was yours. I mean, th th he literally stole from her. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, would you consider it a frivolous? Suit for her to sue him for that no, half hell of the down payment. No. She'd be well justified in taking, you know, taking him to court for that, man. You know, it's just no, no excuse for that whatsoever, man. That's a lot of money. Not to mention her trust is probably destroyed, and considering he took gross advantage of her. Chris, I gotta say, uh, thank you very much to our listener who brought that to our attention because that is a Mitchley action. So I gotta. One bonus manly of Mitchley scenario here. And this has a lot to do with the Richard, Sir, the Richard Sherman situation. And this is specifically Colin Kaepernick's reaction to Richard Sherman. So here's some sound bites from Colin Kaepernick, all right? He said, 
Did that make you feel better about yourself? Then go ahead because I'm not worried about you. He also said that Sherman is afraid of our receivers, and that's something I'm looking forward to exploiting next year. He said, if I throw that ball one foot farther, it's a touchdown, and now you're the GOAT, Richard Sherman. And then he also said his comments were ridiculous. If you have to tell people how good you are, then how good are you really? So was Colin Kaepernick's reaction to Richard Sherman, Manly or Mitchley? I don't think it was. I mean, I won't say it was Mitchley, and I won't say it was Manly. I mean, he was just speaking his opinion, and maybe he said it, you know, not long after the interview was said, but he had a point. I mean, if you have to go brag about how good you are, then how good you are. It's kind of like that dude who brags about how much cutty he gets, but do you really get much cutty, you know? So, <laughs> but but no, I, I don't think his comment was Manly or Mitchley. I mean, he, you know, it did make some sense. Now, if he went out and said it in all, like, you know, if he went on a radio show and said it, put it on Twitter and said it, put it on, like, if he cried about it, then that's different. But if he just said it to one outlet and then they happen to expand, you know, put it all out there, then no. So wait a minute. So did, did, did whatever news outlet or, or media outlet he went to, did they, um, did they ask him to respond or did he just voluntarily gave his thoughts on it? He actually went to a writer at the New York Post. He went, he initiated it. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! So he was really hurt then. Yeah. <laughs> he must have been hurt. Then, then I guess that was Mitch. That was some Mitch. That was that was Mitch. Tell him why you mad, son. <laughs> you mad, bro? That's one of those situations. But nah, seriously, that's that's a Mitchley action. As a the leader of your team, man, as a quarterback, you're not supposed to let what others say to you ever get to you ever. And to to address a situation that already happened, if if shoulda coulda woulda if I woulda thrown it another foot you didn't and the man made a play on the ball and he ended your your season you have to respect that he won you cannot go and say anything negative about the person who just defeated you until you come back and prove it on the field that's mentally don't talk about it be about it all right so next season you're going to expose him do it next season you don't have to go to the New York Post and talk about it and as far as I'm concerned I have no problem with Richard Sherman letting people know how good he is because he is that good He's one of the top three defensive backs in the league. And until people recognize it, I have no problem with somebody saying, hey, I'm the best. We love Deion Sanders for the exact That's same exactly reason. That's exactly right. He was the best in the league, and he said it every chance he did. Like, Muhammad Ali is one of the, the most well-known, well-loved athletes of all time. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. He lets you know he was the greatest, and you had no problem with that. So now, nowadays, people want to get upset when somebody says, I'm good at what I do. If you know how much work Richard Sherman puts into being prepared, to being the best in the league, how much film he watches, I have nothing but respect for him. Colin Kaepernick, you were a Mitch on this one, sir. Um, oh, you know, you know what else? Um, yeah, but Matt Ryan put him up to it. Just saying. <laughs> When's the last time you heard Matt Ryan say anything in the media about something that happened to him? Ever. No, no, no. I was just, just busting on you because I know you're an Atlanta fan. <laughs> no, I know. I was. That's why I came right back with the Flames. Uh, go Falcons. <laughs> hey, man, I can't help it. All right, listeners, you know what time it is. It's time for you to decide whether this thing was manly or Mitchley. Write in. Let us know whether each scenario was manly or Mitchley. We'll take your stuff. We'll put it on the air later, all right? Manly or Mitchley. <laughs> It's now time for AJ's Gripes, the place where AJ can just go off about something that's bothering him. So what's your gripe, AJ? AJ's Gripes. AJ's Gripes. AJ's Gripes.
I don't know if you're anything like me, but if you are, then you're probably watching TV from time to time. And if you're watching TV, I'm sure you're, you're, there are some, some shows that are catching your attention and you're enjoying them and you're loving them. And it's all good. But you know what? Every once in a while, these networks decide they want to come up with something annoying called a mid-season hiatus. Why are you doing this to all of us out here who love watching your show and interrupting our lives for months on end before you bring back our favorite characters into our lives? The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, and many other classic shows that I love. There's nothing more ridiculous than when you take those shows away from me. So to all the networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, and all the cable affiliates, when you take my show away from me, you are going to get caught up in AJ's gripes. AJ's gripes. AJ's gripes. AJ's gripes. We'd like to thank the listeners for listening in again to this sixth episode of Dude Logic. And we'd also like to thank our very special guests from Opinionated Mill, Cortonio and Mr. Sobo. We appreciate the conversation and everything you had to say. Pleasure was all ours. You have anything you want to say about the website, any contact information, anything like that? Oh, yeah, most definitely. This is Mr. Sobo here. Uh, once again, definitely want to thank you guys uh, here at Dude Logic. For having us on it was a fun time very great experience uh hopefully we can do it again soon um yeah so for those of you li- uh, listeners out there you can check out opinionatedmail.com with the urban romance art and culture lifestyle and entertainment blog uh dealing with a lot with uh, issues that face people of color um and just people in general um, but with a heavy focus on people of color especially on the romantic tip um again you can experience life love and sex in the city through the eyes of men uh, on opinionatedmail.com uh Check out the writings by Cortonio and myself. And you can reach us at opinionatedmail at gmail.com. Or you can contact uh, me directly at uh, Mr. Sobo at opinionatedmail.com or Cortonio at Cortonio at opinionatedmail.com. Also, we're on Facebook. Um, you can check us out on Facebook. We have Twitter. You can also take it back to 94 and page us. Um, I'll leave the number for AJ and Chris to leave you guys with. But no, but all jokes aside, man. I mean, totally being objective here, you know, check it out. Some good articles on there. You know, I plugged a few of them in this uh, in this show. But, yeah, check us out. You like what you have to see. Definitely. AJ? All right. Uh, well, as always, you know, it's good to get to the end of another show. If you want to keep up with me, you can catch me on my blog, ajsmeltdown.com. That's ajsmeltdown.com. You can catch me on Instagram at aj underscore the underscore trainer. And on Twitter at AJ's Meltdown. Chris, what about you? You can reach me on Twitter at, at CG Skeezy. That's at C G S K E E Z Y. Yep, yep. <laughs> Check out the blog at www.thelifeandtimesofthemind.com. Uh, lots of drawings, music, things of that nature. And for the podcast, uh, check out at www.dudelogicpodcast.com. On Twitter at at Dude Logic Pod. That's at Dude Logic Pod. Instagram Dude Logic Pod. Dude Logic Pod. Also check us out on Facebook www.facebook.com/slash/dudelogicpod, and you can email us at dudelogicpodcast@gmail.com. Please send things in, suggestions for topics, uh, th- things about AJ's rants, anything you can think of. Please send it in. 
for AJ and for the guys from opinionatedmail.com, I'm Chris signing off. See ya. Peace. It's just that